Culture embraces it. People argue about it. The Bible teaches it. The church frequently fears it. But everyone needs to understand it. What is it? It's the issue of same-sex attraction and how to think through the many related issues that surround it. Welcome to the Be Healed Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hannett. And this podcast is all about helping you overcome problems God's way. It's filled with testimonies, interviews, teachings that will equip you with a strong biblical understanding of how to release God's power and anointing in your life. Healing is all about restoration. It's all about living a life that is lacking nothing. And it's the life that God died for us to have. There are a great number of issues and heated debates that surround the LGBTQ community, such as equality and freedom, identity, civil rights, whether or not people are born gay or not. And this is especially true in faith communities where the issues are frequently mistaught, misrepresented and misunderstood. But today I have a special guest and a new friend, Gary Ingram, who is going to be sharing his personal story of growing up Christian and then fully embracing a gay identity and the journey that God has led him through. Him and his wife, Melissa, have founded Love and Truth Network, and God is using them in a mighty way to bring clarity and understanding and compassion to this issue. So, Gary, thank you so much for being on the Be Healed podcast. It's an honor to have you today. Thanks so much, Steve. I'm really happy to be here. You know, I think that when we hear about this, uh, the issues of same-sex attraction, homosexuality, gender identity, people can get lost in, in the sheer volume of things that are getting discussed. And I think it's so powerful to listen to personal stories of real people who have uh, both suffered uh, through things, um, thought through them deeply, and just have personal perspective. And I'd love for you to just kind of kick off and tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey began and uh, how, how you found yourself fully embracing a gay identity. Well, it, you know, it really started um, at a very, very early time. I, I uh, really carried with me this theme of being in the way, being a bother, uh, being unplanned for. And it wasn't a happy uh, situation when my mom and dad found out that my mom was pregnant at 41 and uh, she had me um, at 42 and they they thought they were done having children. And so um, the the reality that my mom really came around to loving me well, and I have an older sister and three older brothers, um, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, but my dad just really did not want another child. And my dad was a very good man. Um, he passed away a number of years ago, but uh, he and I became very close later in life. But growing up together, uh, there was there was no sense. He didn't have any idea that dads were really um, supposed to um, develop uh, relationships with their kids. He was more from a generation where dad simply, you know, put a roof over your head and food on the table and that kind of thing. And mom's mom kind of raised the kids. And uh, I really needed my father to um, 
to give me, you know, guidance to, to, to have a desire to really connect with me and bond with me, give me a sense of, of value as a boy. I really wrestled with um, a lot of the typical things that boys just kind of naturally do. I wasn't, I wasn't good at sports when I was young. Uh, I wasn't, um, uh, I was just, I was very shy. I was very withdrawn. Um, and, and so all through my childhood, all through my developmental years, my experience was that of, of feeling like I was always being pushed out of the world of boys and men. And, um, and eventually then I got to a point like, so example for gym class, the locker room, those were all nightmare experiences. Frankly, every time I had to, um, uh, engage in school with, uh, with kids in, in gym class, always chosen last for the team, you know, mocked and ridiculed, et cetera. So, uh, what that, what that told me over and over again is somehow I'm defective. Somehow I'm not a real boy, somehow thing wrong with me. And so I, 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 uh, felt like the only place that was safe for me was being in the world of girls and women. And so I, I, again, throughout my developmental years as a kid, um, I stayed close to my mom, my sister, and then girls at school, girls at church. And, uh, and so, um, as I grew up, I had both this, this fear and, and resentment toward other boys, but at the same time I was created to have a sense of who I am in relationship to other boys. I mean, we all, we all were. And so there, so there was this envy and, um, uh, and admiration on the one hand and yet fear and, and, and mistrust on the other. And at about the age of five or six or so, some older neighborhood boys introduced me to their dad's hardcore porn into some of their homosexual behavior. And, and that really, that along with the other, the gaps with my dad and all of that, that really fueled something that early sexualization was incredibly damaging. And, uh, and so I, at a, I can't remember a time that I, that my mind wasn't polluted with thoughts of, of, of sex and, and all of that. And, and eventually that gave way to, to me finding, um, a sense of identity in my attractions that, that became, um, more toward men than women in the, in the pornography. Uh, I was a pornography addict by the time I hit puberty and would do whatever I could to get my hands on it. I hated what I was doing on the one hand. On the other hand, I was drawn to it constantly. And so it was just this miserable place of, of internal battle. And of course, the church wasn't talking about any of this stuff at all, um, even though the reality is others were struggling with this stuff and, and not doing very, uh, very well at breaking through it themselves. And um, but I so because no one was talking about it in the church and I was going to church regularly, multiple times a week, uh, I was really living this split off life. I was really living this double life. And, um, and, and very hopeless, very miserable as a kid and a teen, uh, because where do I go to talk to anyone? I can't talk to my parents. I can't talk to, um, people in the church. And when, when I would try the outcomes, um, were pretty miserable. And so eventually I, after bouncing around from public school to Christian school, to homeschooling, finishing early and then going to a local Bible college, I, um, I, I left Bible college and felt like, uh, God, I hate you. I can't stand your church. I'm done with all of this. And, um, and it wasn't long after that, I found my first gay bar. I wasn't really looking for it. It was just some, someone brought up, said that, Hey, you know, made some comment about a gay bar in the town nearby. And I had no idea that such a thing even existed. And so it took me a long time to find it. But when I did at the age of 19, I felt like I finally found my people. And, um, it was a very, very powerful experience. So when you were Going through your early years, you, you just kept experiencing rejection and you were saying that you were thinking that somehow you weren't measuring up and that you were defective. 
Yes. What, what was it that created a feeling of acceptance when you got to that time a little bit further through? What, what was it that was speaking to you that says, you know, now you fit now, now you thought you found who you are or, or a connection or a comfort? Well, I, the experience of actually being wanted, and of course, I think, you know, wanted, in, at least in many cases, for all the wrong reasons. But uh, I mean, I, I did not typically have experiences of, of people enjoying being with me, of, of uh, you know, other boys just wanting to spend time with me just as a friend. And so the, um, uh, when those experiences would happen early on, they would often wind up in some sexual thing anyway, uh, with, with kids in the neighborhood, with boys, other boys, older boys usually. And so the, that experience of simply, um, feeling like I could finally stop pretending, uh, and, and stop posturing and stop hiding in the, in the corner, you know, that was kind of my MO was just always trying to not be seen and to be avoided. Of course, that was, that was, uh, a neon sign to the bullies in school in places like that. And so, um, so here I felt like I could finally just be me. And also the, 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 uh, the reality of other guys um, wanting to talk to me and, uh, and, and wanting to get to know me and, you know, eventually, uh, you know, in some cases wanting to start a relationship with me, that was, that was very intoxicating because it was all brand new. And I was, I was this, um, I was kind of a black hole of emotional need um, that, that had, you know, had a thimble uh, full of, of um, anyone trying to meet that need. And so I was very, very emotionally um, hungry and that was uh you know kind of the perfect storm you know and and i'm glad you brought that up because i was thinking through that as you were sharing that everything you've shared so far was primarily about an emotional craving for acceptance and love you're not speaking about something that's just physical attraction it it seems like there was a an environment that was being built in your life that was void that was that was empty and uh, would you agree that, you know, God made us to receive love? He made Absolutely. us to be loved. So a lot of people suffer from this in their life of, of rejection and bullying and feeling that they don't measure up. Uh, and, and, and then they find acceptance uh, in a community uh, from people that, that they never thought they would have. And I, I think it's very, very uh, common. Uh, that people do this not only in the realm of uh, of homosexuality or the LGBTQ community. We we hear about these things happen in incarceration and people joining gangs uh, within prisons and even within the streets. They find a place of belonging. Well, and one of the things, Steve, about that, I just want to comment on, sure. I often teach and preach about the reality that what you're, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're talking about. I think it's intensified in some of these places like gangs or within the LGBT community. But I think the heterosexual population and the church population suffer from all of this as well. I think we've learned to live off a starvation diet of emotional, uh, of getting the the relational um, longings and legitimate needs that God has given to us. I think we live off a starvation diet 
light of that within the church. I don't think the church, I love the church and, and the, the church is doing lots of great things, but I think one of the areas where the church has failed for so long is really meeting one another in our places of legitimate need for community and relationship. And, um, and so I think that, you know, one of the reasons we see such a massive divorce rate, one of the reasons we see, you know, men turning and idolizing women and vice versa, and all of these broken relationships um, within, within the community and the church community really comes back to um, not knowing how to meet our needs, our healthy needs in legitimate ways, the way God designed us. This is a very, very, very powerful point, uh, because when we speak about healing, uh, biblically, we're not speaking about one part of the human condition. We're not speaking about just physical healing of the body. We're not speaking just about uh, healing of the mind or healing of the heart or the emotions. Uh, Jehovah Shalom and the idea of Shalom is this idea of perfect wholeness, nothing lacking, nothing broken. And it's really bothersome to me personally that when people enter the same-sex attraction issue, that all of a sudden it becomes separated from the person. It, yeah. it, it, we're not looking holistically at the person. And I think anybody who's suffering um, or, or even experiencing attraction acceptance um, in, in the realm of the gay lifestyle, uh, that we are validating the needs that they are looking to fulfill. That they were created to be loved, created to be accepted, created to have a tribe, created to be part of a family, and not only to be loved, but also to share love. And going further, that physical intimacy is an extension of heightened love. It's an extension of love. It it, it was never made to be something that was uh, twisted or foul or dirty. It was meant and created by God to be good. I think the big question, though, that we're all left with is, well, if we're all created with these needs, how is the healthy way or the way of God's design to fulfill those needs? And this is, a, a, I think, a very big issue at, at the heart of it. But I'd like to ask you something, because it's very frequent that we're hearing the, the blissful things. And you even mentioned the term that the love and the environment was in the acceptance were intoxicating. And we can hear about how great this is and, and how love should be embraced and, and everybody should be embracing this because it's so great. But I'd like you to share your personal story because I've heard from others that when they try to fulfill these valid needs in the gay lifestyle and try to fulfill their identity or find their identity there, that they often don't find what they thought they were going to find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My original desire as a, as a pretty, um, you know, pretty not very naive and, and pretty innocent kid, uh, or young man was eventually when I just left Bible college and I just left all that behind, I felt like I just wanted to find, you know, uh, the right guy and sort of settle down and be with him the rest of my life. Well, you know, that, that ship sailed within, uh, you know, <clears throat> a couple of weeks of coming out, uh, and, and, and spending time within the bar and, the bar scene and, uh, you know, finding somebody that I thought I wanted to be with for, you know, 
who knows how long. Uh, and but but thinking this isn't this is going to be a relationship that's going to continue to grow. And within a couple of days, that's over. And so in in my desperate need now, I feel worse than I did before. And so now I'm 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 trying to to find somebody else. And 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 so it was this revolving door that I was not expecting of of jumping into relationships, one night stands. Um, uh, and and so you know before long, I had um, and I'm not trying to be provocative here, but I just been with so many different guys um, trying desperately to meet the needs of my own heart and trying to find somebody who wanted to be with me uh, for, you know, for the long haul. And what I began to realize over time is um, no one is, is together for any long period of time. But I did realize many, many years later and, and oftentimes had confirmed by, uh, by, by guys that have been in long-term relationships with one another. Uh, those relationships are, those long-term relationships are usually relationships that are open where they're also going out and bringing home another sexual partner or whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that that's true in every case, but in all of the cases where I was talking with guys that have been together for 10 years or 12 years or whatever, that was definitely the case. I mean, it was an open sexual relationship and they were uh, going outside of the relationship just with themselves. So um, yeah, I, what it began to wear on me. Um, I often, uh, mention the verse in first Corinthians six eighteen, where Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who sins sexually sins against their own body. And I never really understood that. Um, but I, but certainly looking back now, I can understand that. I, I think what Paul's talking about there is how, how sexual, sexual sin damages our soul in a way that nothing else does. And I began to feel at a very early age in my, you know, in 19, 20, 21 years of age, I began to really feel the, the, the decaying of my soul in this, um, in this constant coming together with somebody in a, in a sexually intimate way. First of all, I wasn't designed to be with another man. I wasn't designed to be with an expression of the identical image of God. I was meant to be with the other, uh, that's born out physically. That's born out in a, in a, in a soul, uh, manner that coming together with that other aspect of the image of God in woman. I was designed for her. She was designed for me. And so, um, but also all of these sexual experiences, there's, and we know even scientifically, the different chemicals that are released in the body, the bonding hormones that are released when you have sex and when orgasm takes place that, you know, within the heterosexual world, certainly within the homosexual world, we're bonding to people over and over and over again, even in a one night stand, even in a, in a, uh, even in prostitution. I mean, even in a, in a, in a paid situation, we're still bonding with that person. And as we come apart from them, parts of our own soul are left with them. Parts of them are left with us. And, and, and we wind up fragmenting and and really becoming a shell of who we were originally intended to be. So yes, it began in a euphoric way and it felt like finally, you know, all these years I've been wrestling all these years, I've been trying to figure out who I am. This is who I am. And this is my community. But before, you know, many months or years, um, I began to really feel that internalized um, fragmenting of my own soul. It's so powerful. And again, when we look at this in the heterosexual community, aren't people doing the same thing? They're trying to sleep around with as many women as they can for fulfillment, or maybe they're trying to earn money and advance their career for fulfillment. There is a craving, insatiable desire for us to find rest for our souls. And we've, we find the same thing. We can look at many so-called successful people in the entertainment industry and their souls are broken and they're left unfulfilled. 
And so I think it's so powerful to realize that we should all be on this journey to find who we are and to find fulfillment. That's a good thing. We were, we were created to be full and fulfilled, but anytime we deviate and we go to places that will promise something, but they don't deliver, we're going to end up worse than we were beforehand. And that's why I want everybody listening to this right now to be encouraged, because if, if you are finding yourself in a place of depression, uh, hopelessness, and, and you continue to try to go after something that's good in the wrong way, uh, it, it's, it's going to lead you down that road further. But there is hope for everyone because you can begin looking for good things in good places and actually find the fulfillment that God designed you to be. So I'd love for you to now share. You went from this place, well, I thought it was going to be good. Now I'm, I'm realizing I'm still empty and fragmented and broken. What did God do to you or in you that, that changed all this? Well, I really went from, I, I got to a place where I, I despised God. I hated God. I felt like, um, he had, um, you know, that he had abandoned me, uh, early on that, you know, why did you even allow the, the, the sexual abuse to happen to me and the, and all the pornography exposure and all of that, if you even cared about me. So all of these accusations against God, um, made sense in my own mind and, and feeling like, even though I was praying for him to help me early on and take away these desires, give me, give me his desires, et cetera. And I felt like there was, there was nothing um, that I was receiving back from him. Um, I just became, you know, very angry and bitter over the course of time. So, uh, but in the, in this sense of, um, of erosion, I, I remember times just looking at myself in a mirror and just thinking, who, who are you? Who have you become? I mean, you're a shell of what you used to be and, and, um, but not knowing where to turn. And the truth is God had never left my side. I mean, he had never, he never had abandoned me. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was on an interstate in New Jersey, um, as I was for some reason angry with God, but for some reason I, I was playing some Christian music um, some new Christian music. And so I wasn't familiar with the lyrics and, and there was a lyric that, that was sung that, that my heart had become so hard and so just encrusted with anger and bitterness and what need and, um, addiction. And the Lord just used this lyric to, to ambush me, you know, in a loving way. I mean, I was ready. And, and so I pulled over on the side of the interstate, um, uh, and, and just sobbed and sobbed and, and my authentic coming to Christ. I mean, even though I grew up in a Christian home, I'd prayed the Christian, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer, et cetera, um, in all the, the right ways with all the, all the verses um, done that multiple times and something just didn't seem to work for me. This was the first time that I was actually willing to surrender my life to God. And so my, my, um, salvation prayer was literally, um, God, I don't even know. I've made such a wreck of my life. I don't even know if you want me anymore or what's left of me, but if you do, you can have it. And and, um, you know, and so God really did some amazing things right out of the gate. I won't get into all of it now, but I, I wound up getting, um, uh, I started going to church again 
I got involved uh, just friendship wise with uh, the the young adult. There was a woman in there, a young a young woman that I um, was drawn to. She to me, we wound up dating. Um, eventually, we got married. That marriage fell apart within three or four years of um, not through sexual sin on my part or her part, but we just had tons of baggage that no one. I had no idea that I needed to unpack any of that anymore and uh, or further. And and so uh, that marriage fell apart and I went back. I began, I was bitter and angry with God that he didn't heal my marriage. I wanted my marriage. She decided she wanted a divorce and pursued that. And so I really felt, again, angry with God. And um, I went back into homosexuality again. And now it was a whole different experience because now I literally have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I'm not just a religious kid that grew up in a Christian mm. home and knew the truth. Now I have have new life. Now I'm a new creation in Christ. And so this, this battle was entirely different. Um, and the misery was entirely different in terms of what I would just live contrary to who I now was in Christ. And, and eventually the Lord, um, after a number of years of, of with one foot in the church and one foot in gay bars and adult bookstores and anonymous encounters and all of that, um, hating what I was doing, but craving it anyway. Um, the Lord brought me to a church in upstate New York where, uh, they, I shared very early on what I was dealing with, with the pastor. And he's like, Gary, um, we will walk with you. If you want to move back, I was living in Chicago at the time. If you want to move back here, um, we will walk with you. And, and so I, I did, I mean, I couldn't get out of town fast enough and get back, get to this church and, um, and began this process through counseling, their lay counseling program through their, through a small group. And then through the men's group, ultimately, which is the last place on earth I wanted to be was in a Christian men's group, but it was in that group that God really refathered me in my early thirties. Wow. My dad was still alive at this point and I loved him, uh, but he just did not have the capacity to really call out the good of the masculine, you know, in my soul, in my heart and, and really reestablish me. And God, God used this community of men to not, they had no idea what they were doing necessarily, but they just loved me. They shared their life with me. They shared their struggles and failures with me. And it gave me hope and um, it gave me relationship. And so God began to pour into my heart what I truly needed in terms of relationships with men with clothes on, you know, with relationships with the church in a way that was intimate and, and deep and fellowship, but it was, it didn't cross those boundary lines of, of, of sexual sin and, and, and defilement, honestly, of my soul. And so God really, and, and that led to eventually me coming to a place of desiring in a way that I never had before to really give my, my life away and pour into the life of, of a, of a woman. And, and Melissa and I've been married now for over 14 years, uh, we have two boys that are 10 and 12 years old. And to take me from where I never wanted to ever be in relationship with a woman um, other than friendship and, and despise the thought of ever being a father to now, those are two of my greatest joys in life is just, um, I mean, it, it's a God thing, but it's the stuff he does all the time. It's yeah. not shocking. It's not a miracle. It's the stuff that he does. I, I think that there's a verse here that I just absolutely love and and describes what, what God does. It's in John chapter 15 in verse nine. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you abide in my love. And I believe that that is a simple statement, but my goodness, it is so powerful because your story makes me think about the journey from loneliness, from rejection, from thinking that you're just broken back toward understanding who God made you to be, becoming accepted, finding out who you are in his eyes 
and him filling that, uh, that part of your life, uh, with, with his love. But, but he, but he had to, you had to have that encounter with him. And I think that's a key part of your story that the second time you went back to homosexuality, it was different because you had a true encounter with him. And this is why I want to tell everybody listening, going to church, even reading a Bible uh, with just your head um, and seeing religious things is not going to cut it. You've got to truly encounter his love. You have to truly encounter Jesus Christ as he is. He is and not a religion. He, you know, he, he, he's not a collection of ideas. He, he actually is the manifested love of the Father. And uh, Gary, I'm going to let you uh, share in a minute, but I want to tell you that you said something that I think is powerful to everybody listening. You said you got refathered. That is a powerful statement. And I believe that's what God wants to do with everyone, no matter who you are listening to this. We need to be refathered. We need to know what it is to be made by him, loved by him, nurtured by him. And, and, and this is critical in our lives. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that surrender piece for me was, was so critical as well as coming to understand his love for me. But that concept of being refathered, I mean, what's interesting is I know that there, that I was looking for that for so long, but I, what I would do in my, in, in my confusion and in my, um, sexual desires and all of that, as I'd wind up making an idol out of, out of one man. And so what I really needed was that community of men. And what I also needed were men that I wasn't necessarily drawn to and attracted to. But I also needed to learn how to work through the reality of and, and, and not just objectify those guys, but really be in relationship, even with those um, that I did find attraction to. I mean, that was important to do over time as well. But, yeah, that idea of being refathered, remothered. I think that we are um, uh, I mean, one of the things I think of church oftentimes um, is that church is our second chance at family. You know, it's church. God intends for the church, I believe, to be a hospital more, more than what we experience now, most of the time. And so, um, what you, the scripture that you read from, from John 15 is so important. It's so true. Um, but I think that in, in addition, I mean, we, we need, uh, his love, but also there's a way that he pours out his love in our lives through the conduit of community yes. that I think too often we've, we've got the, you know, the pipes are clogged, you know, the, the conduit is, is not open within the church and in, you know, men are too uncomfortable with themselves. They're too uncomfortable with one another, women uh, as well. And I, the more comfortable we are with, with who God's made us to be and how we get to just be this, this conduit of both um, love and, and love is not, does not lack instruction. Love isn't just mere niceness. And that's what we are oftentimes told just affirmation and, and, and warm feelings is what love is about. And that's so unbiblical. Um, yes, there's a, there's a, a beautiful, and I think even um, intense reality of, of the gift of love and the way that we experience joy is by being with others who are happy to be with us. There's such a profound reality in that, but there, but love also has some teeth. I mean, love, when you take truth out of love, it's no longer love. And so walking in a community that, that certainly was far from perfect as I also was, um, and am, um, there's something about that. There's a way that God pours out in us. And I think the heart of God is, is grieved and broken. And I had an experience of that 
and prayer a number of years later, where for the first time I, I was able to really reconcile um, the reality that what happened to me as a kid and what happened to me over the course of the rejection of my life, like it did matter to God. I didn't think it mattered to him. And when I realized it, in my heart that it mattered to God, all that I had gone through and that he really longed for his church to be that hospital, to be that place where love could be experienced and poured out and how, how constrained the church has become. Um, I, I, the heart of God, I believe, is so grieved about that. And he so wants to see our hearts opened uh, to be able to love one another well and deeply and heal a variety of issues, not just identity confusion, but all of the issues that, you know, you've even brought up, Steve, in this time. Yeah. Gary, can you can you tell us a little bit? You, you have founded, along with your wife, the Love and Truth Network. Can you share a little bit about uh, what that network does and how people can connect with you? Because there may be people listening right now and they need a next step. And they can certainly contact us at every house, but I want them to know how they can reach out and, and benefit from uh, from what God is doing in, in your network. Sure. Our primary ministry focus is on equipping pastors and leaders in the church because we believe that we can help individuals who are struggling with a variety of issues, not just LGBT, um, most by by helping church communities really re-embrace who, their inten- who God intends for them to be and longs for them to be. So that's our main area of ministry, but we also have an area on our website. Our website is simply love and truth network and is spelled out love and truth network.com. And, uh, if people go there, uh, they can, they can message me. Um, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with them, pray for them. Uh, I do I do travel all around the country and speak in churches, do conferences. One of one of my primary um, uh, things that I love to do, but also a purpose of our ministry is to work with Christian leadership teams. And so um, oftentimes I'll know of ministries or churches in different areas of the country that would be safe places for them to go to. Now, that's not always going to be the case, depending on where um, you know people call from. But if there is a way that we can redirect and, and help them find uh, connection, even online with, with ministries that are doing online work, uh, we'd be more than happy to do that. But our my, main work, um, if there's pastors or Christian leaders listening or, or people who are attending church and feel like I'd love for our church to address some of these issues, um, in a more open way, you know, that's what, that's what we're all about. Yeah. Gary, thank you so much for being with us today. I know that, uh, many people have been blessed and, and, uh, 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 helped by what you've shared from your own life. And I thank God for your transparency and what you're bringing, because we need to speak about these issues. I know we've only discussed a small fraction, but it's valuable to know that you can find fulfillment in the love that comes through Jesus Christ. And you're accepted, you're loved, you're beloved. And God is seeking after you who are listening right now. The Bible says in John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I want everyone to know that God is seeking you and is asking you to seek him. All right, Gary, please close us out with prayer for those people who are seeking God and who would desire They may be feeling upset, disillusioned, angry with God. Maybe they feel rejected by the church, but we know there's hope. There's good churches who will, who will embrace them and, and God is ready to receive them with open arms. Can, can you close us out with prayer? 
absolutely. Yeah, Father, I do want to just lift up um, men and women uh, who are listening to this. And uh, regardless of where they're at, Lord, I know it's like to be so angry with you and so confused and uh, often to attribute to you what actually belongs at the feet of the enemy of our soul, uh, that some some of it that belongs uh, um, on myself. Uh, And so, God, I just pray for um, for men and women, for young men and women. I pray, Lord, for those that are that are wrestling and feel hopeless, um, those that um, that feel like they've gone too far. And as I certainly felt like so many times. And yet, Lord, you desire you're the one that goes after that leaves the ninety nine that are in good shape and good condition. uh, And you go after the one that has wandered away. That's the nature of of your heart, Jesus. And so uh, and you're the exact representation of the father is what Hebrews tells us. So, Lord, I do ask that even now, as as we are wrapping this up and praying, Holy Spirit, would you move in the hearts and the lives of men and women who are listening to this? Would you, God, um, give them a, uh, a window of clarity and give them, Lord, a window of opportunity to to return home, to come to their senses, to look up and to recognize I don't have to live in this pig pen any longer. I don't have to uh, to wallow around in the world's solutions that I once thought were freedom, uh, that I bought the lie that it was freedom and now I'm in chains, And but you're the chain breaker. And so God, we do ask that you would um, restore both um, hope and also um, God, just a deep desire uh, and urgency to, um, to get free and to come to you to find that freedom uh, of an authentic repentance. God, I pray that you'd open up hearts for those that have that have prayed the prayer of salvation and maybe grew up in church, but have never really surrendered. They've never really experienced you. Lord, would you give them that fresh reality that this is this is the way to walk in, and this is this is life versus uh, legalism and religion. And so, Lord, we just we we offer all this up to you and ask for you to do even exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think in this moment for those that are listening in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. And for everybody who would like to uh, receive prayer from every house, just simply uh, contact us by sending an email to contact at everyhousenow.org. You can also go to our website, everyhousenow.org, and we will pray for you. We will help you. And we are here for you. We thank God that he is the answer to every problem we could have. May the Lord bless you. Again, this has been Pastor Steve Hannett with the Be Healed Podcast. We look forward to speaking with you soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Be Healed Podcast today. I'd love to connect with you on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Hannett, and you can get a lot of our latest information and announcements there. Also, would love for you to know about our TV program called The Miraculous Life. It airs on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural Network, also known as ISN. You can go to their website. You can download the app ISN on your phone, and you can listen to it also on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash Steve Hannett. There's amazing teachings and testimonies of God's power healing people and breaking through. Truly, he calls us to live in his grace and peace. Well, until next week, may Jesus Christ lead you, guide you, and establish you in the fullness of his grace and power. Be sure to share this podcast with someone who you know it will bless, and I look forward to talking with you next week. God bless you.
Be Healed is a production of Every House, a church network whose mission is to contribute to the work of the Great Commission by reaching the lost, establishing churches, and cultivating leaders throughout the world. If you'd like to give a tax-deductible gift to support this ministry, simply visit our website at stevehannett.com and click the Donate button. We thank you in advance for your prayer and support.